Hello and welcome to the Master of Nothing podcast. Thank you for coming back. Um, if you are new to the podcast, welcome along. If you are returning again, thank you for being so patient and uh, being a part of this journey. It is truly appreciated. Um, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe um, for whatever platform that you're watching from, um, whether it's on Instagram or YouTube, your support is greatly appreciated. It really is. Um, I understand that these things aren't done as consistently as they should be, so the fact that you're still sticking around, you're still listening and supporting, I do really, really appreciate it. Um, today, to get into the podcast, what are we talking about today? So today's going to be similar to the last one that I did. Um, I'm trying to make shorter podcasts with one or two topics and maybe pumping out more of them instead of just doing uh, you know, two hour long or one hour, one and a half hour long podcast with like six different topics. Um, and maybe doing it in this way allows me to sort of go a little bit deeper into certain topics. What I've found is that instead of looking for really clickbaity stuff, I'm kind of looking for articles or stories that really interest me and the things that I can sort of discuss further. Because it's easy to just get like a clickbaity subject and talk about that for like five minutes. And if you get quite a few of those, you can end up talking about, you know, you can, you can make an hour and a half podcast of really short clickbaity stuff that isn't really that important or that entertaining and sort of that be it. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this might be a better way of doing it, but we're going to find out. That's not to say that I'm not going to use, um, that I'm not going to use other use that other way of doing podcasts where I, you know, go back to the old way while having lots of different topics. You know, I just want to try different things and see what works best for me and what works best for the listeners and uh, sort of hopefully come to this sort of happy medium where I can do, I can do both because I really want to slip in and out of, in and out of both. Um, again, I am recording in a place that has a window that is like right here where lots of people can look in and I can also look out. So if you do see me looking off to side it's because people are walking past or um people are looking in which is pretty funny and like i think it's just one of those things you got to get over you know uh like literally as i speak now there's someone standing at a printer looking over at me and it's um it's kind of weird but you know you just have to do these sort of things right it's not easy to find facilities that will allow you to do podcasts um especially facilities that are cheap you know i think they've sort of recognized that people are looking for places to create content and, you know, they're charging through the roof for just having a room with a couch in it, which is, like, crazy. Um, but I guess that is Sydney for you, right? Any any sort of space in Sydney at the moment is super expensive. Uh, so, yeah, we are going to have to deal with that. But fortunately for you guys, you can't see it. All you can see is my eyes darting to the side every now and then because... Um, I might notice somebody. So I'm going to try my hardest not to look there. Um, But if I do, hey, forgive me. It is what it is. So let's get into what the topics are going to be for today. So I've got two topics in particular that kind of relate to each other. They will sort of segue just nicely. Um, And I'm going to be honest, it's it's pretty doom and gloom, these topics. It's pretty sad. It's pretty twisted. uh, And... You know, it's not going to be one of those happy, funny podcasts where we take the piss out of ridiculous shit. It's kind of a serious topic, and um, I feel like the last one I did was kind of serious too. And if that's the direction that we head in, then that's the direction that I head in. You know, um, I'm not afraid to talk about uh, 
heavy topics. I'm not afraid to talk about things that people might seem to be controversial. I don't think this is controversial to talk about, but I just think sometimes people can put them in the too hard pile. You know, like it's a... And, hey, I'm not going to say that my opinion on certain things are going to be exact and they're going to be correct. Um, That's what this whole thing is for, is to just explore ideas. So, the first topic, uh, for those who are living in Australia, you probably have heard, maybe in New Zealand you've heard, um, but a Gold Coast man has been charged with 1,623 sex offences against prebubescent girls at 10 childcare centres in Brisbane and one in Sydney. Um, that's, yeah, that's about as wild of a title that you, you're ever going to see in any newspaper, any, any news headline. That's about as wild as it gets. 1,623 sex offences. I mean, yeah, we, we, let, let, let's just go a quick overview of what I'm going to be talking about because I think people in Australia know because there's really big news at the moment. Um, so it's worth um, just giving a little bit of a backdrop. So as the title says, this creep committed 1,623 sex offences over a 15-year period at 10 different childcare centres in Brisbane and in Sydney. You know, as far as like the minor details, I don't think we need to go over the small details in terms of the abuse um, because we all know how twisted and disgusting the shit is. You know, we, we know what we need to know. We understand the level of um, abuse that would have been done. Um, you know, 15 years is a long period. And in childcare centres, this guy works in childcare centres, which so happens to be the industry that I work in. Um, again, it kind of tugs on my heartstrings a little bit, but those are the people who are entrusted in looking after the most vulnerable of the city. And unfortunately, in this case, this guy has abused that right um, and has committed the worst acts that you can commit. You know, I think I think this is the worst. You know, um, yeah, it's it's disgusting and it's heavy and it's like a. I guess this should be like a. I, I should probably have like a trigger warning at the beginning, right? Because this is something that you know people talk about. Oh, you don't want to say space, but this is shit that like, you know, if this happens to someone in their childhood, they carry that with them forever, and you can really evoke a lot of horrific emotions for someone if you trigger them and if you you know their cause to have to sort of relive or think about or process the kind of harm they went through so yeah I guess this is me doing it now right this is the trigger warning I guess I'll have something in the title so that we know that we're going to be talking about some heavy shit um you know it's sad because this is my industry and Um, you know, I work with young people. I have been working with young people for the last seven or eight years. Um, I've worked with them in different capacities. So I worked at a juvenile justice center in New Zealand for several years. Um, and then I moved to Australia where I work in out of home care. So I've worked for two different organizations. Um, I don't need to talk about what organizations I work for. Um, I'm sure they don't want to be mentioned on this either, but I have it. I have an intimate understanding of how these companies work, these organisations work, how the staffing models work, and 
for something like this to slip through the cracks for as long as it did, to me, seems insane. It seems insane because I've worked at places and I, and I work at places where staff performance, the way their practice is, their interactions with the young people, it's it's carefully looked at and it's being monitored regularly. It needs to be documented. There's meetings that occur purely based around individuals, individual staff members' interactions with young people. So the fact that this was able to go on for as long as it did, over a 15-year span, at as many different places as it did, is shocking to me. Now, I'm not saying that those organisations did anything wrong, and, like, look, I imagine, they, I imagine that the families are going to want compensation or are going to look for legal action around this, so we will find out in time um, what kind of liabilities there are on those organisations, but the fact that he bounced between 10 different care centres over the 15 years is probably how this was able to happen. Um, and that's 11, if you cl- including Sydney. So there were 10 in Brisbane, 1 in Sydney. That's 11 different organisations over a span of 15 years. I mean, how, you know, he's not doing much time at each at each place. So, you know, it makes me, that is probably by design. You know, you work at a certain organisation for a certain period of time. Um, maybe people were catching on to his weird behaviour. Maybe people were starting to recognise that he was displaying some grooming behaviours because that's the kind of behaviours this guy would have been doing. He would have been grooming these young people, um, grooming the staff. People think that grooming only occurs for the victim, but it occurs for the people who are around the victim as well because you, those people try and lull adults who are around the victims into a false sense of security that this is somebody that we can trust that this is someone that um you know oh they're really good people they're kind this is a kind guy this is the kind of guy that we want to you know we'll keep him around so maybe people were catching on to that and he decided that it's too red hot it's time to move to a different organization um so you know, I don't, I don't want to come out here and, and make it even remotely seem like I'm accusing any of the organisations of anything. I'm just saying, from my experience, um, the only way I can see him being able to do something like this, this horrific, um, is because he went to so many care centres. Now, you know, I work in the industry. Anyone who does work in the industry knows that they're not all organisations um, hold themselves to a high standard. And that's just the truth, you know. And um, that to me, that's common sense. You know, that's not me calling out any organisations, but we all know that there's like you know a level of um, integrity, and then not everybody lives up to that. I am very thankful that the company I work for, I think, has a very high level of integrity. Um, the young people are always what comes first, and uh, there's lots of checks and balances in place to make sure that, that occurs. Um, I, I think the question that people have, I think there's a few questions that people have, but one of them in particular will be, what are we doing? What is already done to ensure the safety of children? Because this went on for 15 years, 10 different placements, uh, 11 including Sydney. So what is being done to protect, protect these children? And these are the most vulnerable children because these are the kids who are in care. So these kids already come from, you know, traumatic experiences, traumatic life experiences. 
they're put in these care places of care for their safety. So what is already in place to ensure the safety? Well, to work in one of these places, you need to have a working with children's check. Um, you can lose these. You can be blacklisted, so to speak. Um, if you do have an allegation put against you and, you know, um, it, it ends up being that you're guilty for whatever reason um, and it's severe enough, they can take your working with children's check off you and that pretty much disables you from being able to work at any organisation with children ever. I think even like if you're doing construction work at like a school or something, I might be wrong, but I think like if you're in the vicinity of children, you still need to have one because, you know, if you're, I, I might be wrong about that, but I do, I do think that I've heard of that somewhere. Um, but also you need to have police checks. So uh, you enter all your details where you've lived, all your identifications, and they will do a, a pretty thorough police check on you. And the police chief comes back saying that there's no sort of, um, you know, criminal, you're not involved in any criminal activity or you've got no crime, you haven't committed any crime that would uh, put any of these kids in, in harm's way. Um, now, is, is there a, a room to be more diligent with the working with children's check? Probably. Um, but that's not for me to decide, you know, I don't know how, I don't know the inner workings of that. I think all of this will be reviewed after this because this this case is insane. Dude, th these these numbers, uh, the amount of abuse that this dude committed is insane. So I, I think that there is going to be a complete overhaul of the system. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be checking that you, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's, and that everything is being done correctly because this is very extreme and. So this guy, this piece of shit, obviously had both of those. So he had a working with children's check. He would have had to go through a police check to be cleared. Okay, so how do we further ensure the safety of young people from a guy like this? Because he already had those checks. So he's passed the first barrier right, of, of being able to get his foot in the door to work with young people. And and again, I'm not saying this in accusation or accusing any organizations of, of, of malpractice or doing anything, but I think there is accountability on the organizations to be you know, diligently monitoring their workers and their practice constantly. A big one that comes to mind when I'm thinking about what are other ways to protect these young people is staffing models. So those who don't work in the industry probably wouldn't understand, those that do would, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of how it would operate. So. A young person goes into care and based on the young person's needs, the safety of the staff, um, they will come to an agreement of how many staff members should be working around that young person. Uh, most companies, most places, for at first when the young person comes in, it will be two to one. So that means two staff members work with young one young person. And for me, this is like the golden ratio. I believe that this is... Only when a young person is, is okay, first, the golden ratio. I believe that is a golden ratio. I don't think that we should ever do less than two to one. Why do I say that? Because for reasons such as this, allegations can be made, you know, it, it, it keeps everybody safe and it allows us to hold each other accountable more than if you have a one-to-one -one model. So a one-to-one -one model is one staff member and one young person. 
this does exist. It happens. You know, there are some companies that will do one to two, one to three. The issue with that is that we just have to take that adult's word for it. We just have to believe what that adult who is working with them, that youth worker or that care worker or whatever, we just have to believe and trust in them. Now, we should be able to do that. But we can see from this incident here what has occurred, that somebody has obviously trusted this guy in these positions, and the most horrific thing that we could imagine happened has happened. So how do we prevent that? And the staffing model really comes down to, it comes down to assessing risk and safety, but it ultimately comes down to funding because it costs to have a staff member work with a young person. You know, the kids that I work with have 24-7 care around the clock. Staff are sleeping over the night, they wake up, they are with them all the time. Most organisations, that's how they operate. The kid is constantly being looked after. I don't think it should ever go less than two to one. There should always be two. Two is like, two to one is the magic number. Two staff is the magic number because one staff can always have another staff member in the line of sight, make sure that they're safe, make sure that their practice is on point, hold each other accountable, call, call up when something is going wrong. It just feels weird to go outside of that. So in terms of looking for a solution, I think that's one. I think, and, and unfortunately, what it takes is throwing money at it. You know, you've got to throw money at it. That industry already is like billions of dollars, you know, you know through the NDIS plan that's, you know, being implemented at the moment. And um, But it's going to take more. And it, to me, it's like these are the most vulnerable people in the country, the young people. These are the people who need the most help. This should probably be where a lot of money is allocated. Now, I already, I'm aware that there's already money allocated. Okay, if that's the case and it's like unrealistic that we could go beyond that, maybe it is on the organization to ensure that there's always two to one, that there's always two staff. Another way that this could things could be prevented is you know documentation. Referees. You know, there's this weird thing in organisations where people are sort of given an opportunity to resign or they've been asked to leave. And I just don't, like, that. maybe that makes sense in an industry where you're just dealing with, like, logistics, right? You're just dealing with shipping containers. It's just inanimate objects that are coming in and out. It's a numbers thing. Hey, if someone's got poor practice and they're damaging objects or they're causing a rift between in the in the company or they're, they're poisonous from for whatever reason, it's like, yeah, okay, when you're not really dealing with human lives and, and vulnerable people and young people, maybe you can extend um, the courtesy of asking them to leave so that they don't have being sacked on their resume. This industry, I don't think you should be allowed that. I don't think that anyone should be given that opportunity. I think that it's on organizations to follow it through to the end. If someone should, if someone shouldn't be working at an organisation because of poor practice, then you should follow it to the end to the point where they are asked to move. Uh, they are, they are fired, not asked to resign. That kind of seems like the easy way out. You know, we come to an agreement that hey, we don't want the paperwork of having to you having to actually fire you or go through the 
the you know all the paperwork that is required to do that but we also you know we want we want you to make that decision though we want make it easy for us to 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 to, to move you on and make that decision for us doesn't seem right you're working with children you're working with with with, with kids who deserve to have the best of care that should be followed through the end people should be fired um yeah i think referees as well like people with shitty practice for whatever reason are able to just sort of bounce around organizations they just you know I'm, i work here in sydney and there's like a community of of youth workers you kind of you've worked with people who are working in other organizations and you've been in other organizations so there's like a little circle of people who kind of know each other you kind of know people who know people who know people and i know people who are terrible workers who somehow manage to still get jobs at other organizations and then they go there and they eventually burn their bridges there and they move on and is it because people aren't being entirely honest with the referees like you know maybe you know are, are, are those organizations not doing enough to check up on referees i don't know but for whatever reason it is you know people with a bit of stank on them can stay in this organization can stay in this industry for a long time which is concerning um you know i think what's going to come out is there's going to be two things that are going to be asked how do we ensure the safety of young people how do we improve the systems that already exist and what are the consequences for someone who does something like this now we've already gone over we just went over some things on ways that we can make it more safety right staffing models documentation referees actually getting rid of people who deserve to be fired and not giving them the opportunity to just walk out with a clean slate um but consequences dude (laughs) we need capital punishment for a crime like this to me nothing else makes sense life in prison probably in segregation because he'll be a marked man this dude will be this dude from his image has already been released i've seen it on social media his name has already kind of been released not like not officially but just somehow people have got his name out there this guy will be a marked man in prison wherever he goes people are, are going to want to take his head out they're going to there's probably going to be a price on his head i mean you know you go we know what prisons are like all right we've got this guy's going into a place where there's men in there who are locked up, who have children, who have wives, who have sisters, and they miss them. And now you've got a guy in there who has spent 15 years destroying destroying young, you know, young girls' lives. Yeah, this guy is going to be in segregation. So, like, not only are we going to keep this guy alive... But you're going to protect him from harm when he's responsible for hundreds of traumatized and damaged young people. It makes no sense to me. It really does make no sense to me. You know, imagine imagine the victims and imagine the parents of the victims knowing that your, your taxes, you the way that you go to work and you work hard for your money, that part of that is helping to house this monster. That part of your hard work every day that you go to work is going towards getting this monster some wreck time. Paying for the facilities so this guy can go out and play basketball on the court or use his fucking stupid hydraulic fucking weights or whatever. You know, life in prison seems too easy 
it seems unjust. It's not good enough. He needs to go. That's this dude is such an intense type of evil that to do anything else but eliminate him, take him, get him away from everyone forever, to do anything but that seems silly. There's just so many lives that have been destroyed, changed forever, and then who knows the flow-on effect of that, you know? I wonder, you know, would it be amazing to see a chart of, like, this man and the, the, the harm and the damage that he's caused and then where that goes on, the flow effect of that. So could we see where that goes on to, like, these victims' children or the people around them or the people that they work with or their relationships and then the flow-on effect of that. And it's like one man has caused so much damage and like the ripple effect of that like where does that go how far does that go for how long is it before someone's able to repair that sort of generational trauma it's just insane and it like to me it just seems like the only thing that really makes sense is for this dude to you got to go bro you you have you have to go um yeah How how can we make it? How can you make a difference, right? Like, what is because at times like this, people feel powerless, dude. Because that's you know when I heard that, I just I had this immediate feeling of like you can't do anything right now. You can't do anything. Like you know, this has just happened. One dude has been able to cause this, and and I and imagine that the people who are close to this would feel powerless, you know. But what can what can you do? What can everyday people do to make a difference in this sort of, in this case? And there's a documentary, and I talk about it all the time, and it's called The Case of Gabriel Fernandez. And I've never watched something that's had, a documentary that's had such a big impact on my life. And the way I perceive my work, the way it's made me realize the importance of people in my role who work in this industry, and also people outside of it. And how much the safety of children is not just like the responsibility of like mandatory reporters or people who work in the industry. It's everyone's responsibility. Everyone is responsible. If you if you're in a good community, everyone is responsible for the safety of children. It's just that's just the way it has to be. And the the case of Gabriel Fernandez, and it's a true story, and it's horrific, but it's a, it's detailing the horrific consequences of people ignoring the signs of abuse, failing to do the right thing, and sort of turning a blind eye to children who are in need. There are dire consequences to that, and and this documentary outlines it, and it takes you through this really powerful story of a young person who the system failed him, the people around him failed him, Members of the public failed him. Adults failed him. Everybody failed this kid, and he ended up he ended up dying of the abuse that he experienced at home. Um, and although his abusers are the ones who you know were con- had, who take fault, right? The people who committed the harm. But there were so many times in between these acts that people could have intervened. 
People could have changed the course of history for Gabriel Fernandez. People could have changed his life. And people chose not to. And because of that, he's no longer here. And, oh, my gosh, this is... You know, there, there is a powerful saying. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Are you telling me that this guy went 15 years without any staff member he worked with or anyone close to him, people he knew, his managers, not noticing something off about him? Something's not quite right. His practice is kind of odd. Or is that kind of, that's a bit of a grooming behavior. The 15 years. And you know, these are, these, we've got to think about, these are the cases that they, that they know of. Are you telling me that this guy's crime started at the point of 15 years? That's when he started the first time and then ended when he's been caught now? No. You know, it's like over that span of time, all right, 15 years, let's say 20, all right? Over 20 years, nobody noticed anything. No neighbors, no family members, no nothing. They, they noticed nothing. I find that hard to believe. I find that hard to believe. And the reason why I say that is because I work in the industry and we've had weirdos come through. You've had odd staff members come through. People who don't quite seem, something's off, something's not right. And, and I'm thankful that I've been part of organizations that every time it's happened, that we, we immediately red flag. Mm-mm, watch this dude. This dude needs to be with people who are yada, 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 and eventually gone. For nothing, not even, even remotely as serious as this. Just saying weird things. Just an odd interaction. You know, this guy's not quite attuned to the needs of this young person. What's going on there? Why does he not get that? Why does he keep on making that young person uncomfortable? You know, nowhere near anything severe as this, that person's gone. You know, it, again, I don't want to sound like I'm accusing any of these organizations, but it's just, uh, and I'm not just talking about organizations, I'm talking about close friends. I'm talking about people around him, you know. It's, it's, and I guess you will never know because once a dude like this is caught, nobody's going to come forth and say, yeah, I did notice something kind of fishy, but I just thought I'd keep it to myself. I, I bet everyone will have the same story that, oh, we had no idea. This was an everyday person. He seemed like a great guy. You know, I never knew that yada, 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 this, that, the third. <sighs> you, know? It, it, you know, it takes a village. It really does. We're all responsible for the safety of young people in your community. We, you all are. You, know, you see some weird shit, speak up. You know, you, you hear, you know, the world's full of people playing a cool and minding their own business. You know, be a Karen, make it your fucking business. You know, you see a staff member doing some weird shit, call it out. You see something in public that doesn't seem right to you. You see a kid with bruises on his face and or a bloody nose or bleeding from the ear and it doesn't make sense. A kid reaches out to you, speak up, be the person that speaks up. You know, that's that's the time to Karen out, you know. And I and I and I truly believe that it takes a village and, and you know we're we're all responsible for the safety of young people. Um but I think 
you know, that's all we need to talk about for that topic. You know, I, I, it will be cool to, not cool, I mean, that's a bad way of phrasing it, but it will be interesting to follow this and see what happens because I know that those parents are going to want some form of compensation or are going to look at legal action and it's going to be interesting to see what level of responsibility they're going to place on the organisations and then um, what sort of happens in terms of the whole industry as a whole, you know. Um, but yes, moving on to the next subject, and this kind of segues, it's it's a similar thing, man. It's vulnerable young people who need to be looked after, and it's the, it's, if you haven't heard, there is a film called The Sound of Freedom, and what the fuck is going on here? Because <laughs> I have never seen a, a movie conjure up so much controversy ever, and it doesn't even seem like, it's like, I was like, why does this... Why is this warranting so, like, people do not want to watch it, people don't want to cancel it, movie theatres refusing to play it? I'm unsure. So the movie is called The Sound of Freedom. Uh, For those who don't know, I think most people do know, but um, this movie depicts the life of Tim Ballard. I hope I'm saying that right. B-A-L-L-A-R-D. Tim Ballard, uh, who works to stop child sex trafficking. It goes through his life and some of the events that take place. Um, so this movie will be released in Australia on August the 24th. Why is this movie controversial? So apparently, apparently there are links to conspiracy theories that are pushed by a political group called QAnon. Now, I feel like I'm kind of in the loop of what's going on in America and um, I kind of have an idea of the sort of political climate. Like, how can you ignore it? It's America, right? It's fucking, the news is everywhere. But I'm not too up to date on like what is QAnon and what is this and what is that. So my understanding, my very limited understanding is that QAnon is a far right um, sort of extremist group. My understanding that have a lot of conspiracy theories about a lot of certain things. Um, Yeah. My question is, why does that even matter? Who gives a fuck? Who cares? Why? Why is that a reason for this movie to be so censored, to be impossible to find, for people not want to pick it up? I don't understand. Why is that? Because I don't know if people have watched movies lately. <laughs> so, so you're telling me I can watch American History X and watch a skinhead curb stomp a black man, but I can't, I can't watch a guy try and stop human sex trafficking? I can watch Breaking Bad. I can watch these people destroy each other's lives through selling drugs, kill, murder, um, any the, all the most horrific things that you can think of. But I can't watch this guy try and stop sex trafficking, child sex trafficking. Okay. I can watch Hurt Locker, right? That movie Hurt Locker where um, the kid, they use kids as suicide bombers. We could watch that. But I can't watch a guy try and stop child sex trafficking. <laughs> Why? All those other movies are acceptable. I can watch fucking human centipede. I could watch people sew their mouths to assholes. I can't watch this dude try and stop child sex trafficking. Because maybe, not for sure, because maybe there's a link to something called QAnon and their conspiracy theories. Hey, 
That sounds like lies to me. You are lying. Why are you lying to us? It's easier to watch Human Centipede than to watch Sound of Freedom. Okay? Saving children, no. Sewing mouths to assholes repetitively, yes. What is fucking going on? I don't understand how... Even so, even so, if this has a political leaning and, and let's say it was, it was all true that there's something in there with pushing a QAnon conspiracy, who gives a fuck? The amount of movies that are used as propaganda from the beginning of time, I'm pretty sure, is that not what the movie industry was built off? Was, was trying to create propaganda around war times, bringing out war movies, pushing political agendas. Isn't that the whole thing? Don't we have every celebrity, when they get a fucking award going up there and trying to push their political agenda on us, talking about climate change, talking about I shouldn't eat dairy, talking about all this bullshit. So we're not new to movies being attached to political ideas or having that forced upon us. We're not new to that. But for whatever reason, this movie is not... So this is where we draw the line. Tim Ballard and his story. This is where we draw the line. That to me, that to me is fishy as, dude. That is that that this is where conspiracy theories start because it's not adding up. Why are you lying to us? Someone someone along the way is lying. Because that, you know, if the way I described it then doesn't make any sense, doesn't like doesn't make you question something a little bit. You know. The world is changing and, and things are coming to light and we are slowly getting an idea of the evil that exists amongst the wealthiest in the world. Epstein's Island, those flight logs, and history books in the future, you know, let's say 100, 200 years from now. <laughs> Epstein's Island, that logbook, will be the pivotal moment that the world slowly started unraveling these pedophile rings that for years have only been conspiracy theories. You know, people talking about it and, and, and you know, Alex Jones. God forbid you mention Alex Jones, you know. He's done some dumb shit. He's a bit of a crazy old man. But he called it. He called it and it seems to be a decade after the fact, every, after everything that he says, he's proven right. And he was proven right in this. And, you know... We're, we're slowly figuring out what is true and what isn't true. And it seems that... I just think that there, there are super powerful people involved in some of these pedophile rings and the shit that's going on. And they are doing whatever they can to make sure that this stuff doesn't gain, to gain traction. And, you know, for years, everyone was sort of satisfied with, like... Um, you know, like pedophile hunter, what's his name? That guy, you know, they would they would sort of set up these pedophiles to come over, and it would be a young girl with like waiting at the house, and then they would sting him. You know, they were for a long time they were happy of just doing that and getting the people at the bottom, because those other people are at the bottom, right? But now we were seeing that there's like things happening. There's a whole industry around the world of pedophiles and people who are trafficking children and, and we're catching on to it and there are powerful people who don't want this shit to get out there and 
it's just very interesting. It's very interesting, and I'm here for it, dude. Let's let's you know let's uncover everybody. You know the questions about the people on those flight logs. What the fuck is going on, dude? Why, you know, <sighs> this movie is available in Australia August twenty fourth. I reckon we all need to watch it. Any any time. Any time where they tell you that a certain bit of art or a piece of art or something that's being made that we we're we're not allowed to watch it, it's like who the fuck are you to decide? What who who are you to decide what I get to watch? I'm an adult dude. You know this, this is art. There are places around the world that have government systems that don't allow you to watch certain things because of its influence it may have on you. And they're not countries that preach democracy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, when, they, when they're trying to take away your art and they're trying to say, you can't watch this, you can't watch that, it's too much. It's, you're overreaching now. It's too much. Who was trying to censor this? Why are people trying to censor this? <sighs> Look, that's... I think we're going to wrap it up there. I'm getting worked up. <laughs> I always know when I'm starting to like raise my voice and get fucking sweaty and stinky and shit that it's probably a good time to wrap it up. But, you know, these have been some pretty heavy topics. We're talking about the safety of the most vulnerable people in the world. And, uh, you know, on one case, we have this wild shit that's going on in Australia at the moment with this dude. And, and it, it's, you know, people are going to be held accountable and I hope that this dude gets held accountable. He's not going to be held accountable in the way that I would like him to be, which is to be, you know, you know, his life taken away from him. He does not deserve life. And then we have the shit going on with the sound of freedom, and it's like there's it's like this smaller issue, and then this bigger issue is like these issues, like it's it's just madness. But if, if there's anything that I think I could take, I'm taking, going to take away from just discussing this and having these ideas in my head is that we are all responsible, you know. Please, if you haven't yet, watch the case of Gabriel Fernandez. It, if you work in this industry, it will it will rock you. It rocked me. It, it, it shook me, man. It, I have not been the same since I watched that movie. That's for damn sure. Um, anyone as well. You know, I'm not just saying for... Uh, people working in the industry, but to, to, on that, in, everyone and anyone should watch that movie, and it will it will move anybody. But like I said before, you know, I believe, um, I believe in that saying. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know who said it, but you know, the thing for you know for for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing, to sit by and idly watch as as bad people do things. Pretend it's not your business. It is your business. If you're capable of doing something and saying something, it is your business. You know, you need to speak up if you see some wild shit happening. Um, and that is all for this episode. So, look, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, let's discuss these ideas, you know. And I'm sorry if I didn't have, a, like, a trigger warning if, and if this shit has affected you, but... If it has, or if you know, reach out. There are people that you can get in contact with that can help you deal with shit that you've been through. If I've triggered you in any in any in any type of way, um, 
but yeah, it will be interesting to follow uh, to follow both these stories. You know, this guy from Australia and what's going to happen with the the sound of freedom. You know, what is Australia's response going to be to that? Um, I'm very interested to see and to find out. So, uh, thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to doing this again next time. Be kind to each other. Make it your business. Look out for your community, man. That shit's important. And that is it.